Welcome to Dr. Eric's Relentless Vitality Podcast. Our focus is on optimizing physical and mental vitality, maximizing performance, and extending lifespan. Dr. Eric is a licensed physician with a wealth of expertise in age management and preventive medicine, whose goal is enabling his patients to stay young, feel their best, and enjoy a higher quality of life. Using some, you know, peptides and uh, butyrate and that sort of thing. Yeah, awesome. And, you know, everybody's loaded up on thymosin and BPC and mm-hmm. things like that. Are you, do you have a lot of people on um, just, I don't want to say prophylactic, but daily use of like the Alka-Seltzer gold, ketone esters, things of that nature as well? Absolutely. Including myself. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, a lot of my patients in the last few months, I've been probably more than that. I've been recommending that. And I, I here's what I want you to know. looking at like, why am I doing this? You know, <laughs> that's my thing. I, the funniest thing is that when they come back later, they're like, um, I can't remember why you put me on this Alka-Seltzer gold. And was it Alka-Seltzer cold? Did I get it right? Why can't I find it at the stores? <laughs> right. <laughs> I bought a bunch off of Amazon. That's my thing. Every morning I'll do like two Alka-Seltzer gold uh, little tablets and I'll put a little bit, just a little bit of the ketone esters in there and I chug it down and then uh, make my coffee, get on with my day. So that's my routine. Right. Yeah. So, okay. And the key Uh, with that is doing that, you know, before a meal or exercise so that you're making that, that change in pH, right? So that the pH goes from being alkaline to acid. So exercise or um, meals, of course, are going to acidify the stomach. And if you are um, taking the Alka-Seltzer gold before meals or before exercise, you are converting your, by stimulating that vagus nerve with the change in acidity from alkaline to acid, you're converting your um, inflammatory cells from those henny penny cells that, oh my gosh, the sky is falling to the janitor, let's clean everything up, file things away cells, which is what we want all of them to be, the inflammatory cells to be that calming uh, effect. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. I think taking it, uh, that's what I told a lot of my people who work out. I said, take it. It's almost like a pre-workout. I mean, of course, you know, the Alka-Seltzer or, you know, the Bicar has been around forever and the, and the fit and, you know, pre-workout kind of thing. But I think the gold tablets makes it so much easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, dude, I had one of my, one of my friends of mine, he did, he, he does a lot of biking. He said it made a difference for him on his, on his ride. So it should, right? Yeah, it definitely should. Okay. And mm-hmm. I think the, you know, I think we talked about, you know, like the immunomodulatory effect too, right? In terms of preventing a viral entry into the cells and like you said, the, the inflammatory dampening effects as well. So always a good thing, especially if, you know, you and I, and a lot, probably a lot of our patients are probably eating a lot of protein, being very acidic and like, you know, like Bill talked about, you know, vegetables or the, the Alka-Seltzer gold or both, balance that out. Mm-hmm. So, um, one thing I want to ask you about, um, we talked a lot about like, um, and getting getting on the the sciencey side on the some of the pathways which are always fun but we talked a lot about like uh the the gut and the uh intraendocrine pathways serotonin production tryptophan metabolism things of that nature um so i was it was very interesting talking about the tryptophan we talked about the kynurenine pathways and all those different things so that's a part that i i still need to go back and like read a few times it's still a little confusing to me i don't know what your take is but i wanted to ask you about that because um you know, of course, you hear about like the the pathways, and if you look at them, and he had a few slides talking about the kynurenine pathway, and there's some beneficial effects, anti-inflammatory. But of course, in other times we've talked about too much of that is not a good thing. You know, too much of the pushing it down that pathway. 
if you follow it, it goes down to that kinerine and go to quinolonic acid, but it also ends up with niacin too, which you think is beneficial. So I was going to have, I was going to pick your brain a little bit on that, on those pathways, how to balance that out. What are the good and the bad of the um, kinerines and the, the tryptophans and things like that? So so uh, it's also something I'm working through. So bear with me because I'm, I'm probably right about where you are. Um, yeah. But what, what's kind of cool about it is I'm not sure I realized that you could make NAD from tryptophan. Right. So it's one of the things that we know that your body is going to do in order to make NAD. And why do we care about NAD? Because it's going to upregulate your certain one genes. Uh, it's going to release that um, HIF1 alpha and uh, upregulate certain one genes. And then certain one genes are gonna be involved in all of that. Um, it, you know, They deacetylate the inflammasome or deactivate the inflammasome, that, that uh, bomb that sort of sits inside your cells. Um, and so because of all those cascades, of course, it's gonna upregulate PGC1-alpha and increase your production of mitochondria. And so anything you can do to, uh, to increase NAD, that's not a pathway that your body's gonna choose to use first, the, the tryptophan, to NAD pathway. So obviously it's sort of a last ditch effort. It's all I've got left to get NAD and I'm gonna just pull everything I can. But that's probably something that's gonna happen in, this, in the setting of an infection or trauma, you know, like especially brain or, or colon, if you're talking about an ulcerative colitis, that's probably where you're talking about, you know, where you're gonna see that metabolism occur because you're just desperate for NAD. The cells are desperate for NAD. Your inflammatory cells, your, your Treg cells require so much energy. So you're gonna pull tryptophan that, that way. Now, uh, of course, with you're talking about uh, kynurenin and quinolinic, you're talking about the, everything is Goldilocks, right? There's a, there's a too little and a too much. Right. And if you got to find that just right. And these cells know how to do it. They just, your cells know how to do it. So right. I don't need to push them to do a different thing necessarily, unless I'm noticing that you're having trouble. So um, uh, maybe I would support that in some way along the way. Of course, some B6 is going to be helpful in supporting that um, uh, along the way, because you're going to be helping your tryptophan hydroxylase. Um, but that's about the extent of, of how I've mastered those, those metabolites yet. So you're in the same boat as me. Good. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to reconnect on that down the road too. Cause in my head, I'm, you always hear about, you know, you don't want it too much, like you said, too much of that, the quinolinic acid is inflammatory to the brain, et cetera. But, um, at the same time, it, it does have some beneficial effects, uh, at some times with inflammation. So I think, like you said, it's just about that finding that sweet spot and just making sure you're in my head, I'm thinking, okay, just do what we're doing, minimize inflammation, you know, let the cell do its thing. You know, that's where we get into the peptides, our TA1s, our CJCs, and Alka-Seltzer, all these things kind of keep things quieted down as much as possible and just support people from a micronutrient status, make sure they have all their cofactors. And I think let the body take care of it. That's kind of my, my view from 30,000 feet on it. So. Right. Because we <laughs> really want the cells to choose to make serotonin, dopamine with the tryptophan, right? That's, that's the pathway we want them to go rather yeah. than going through all the rest. Yeah, same thing with, you know, he talked a little bit about some of the pathways with like the succinate pathway and these other different pathways, which again, I'm after kind of blow through. And I think, again, it's just about balance, right? Just keeping metabolic flexibility. And I think that, I think in my head, the way I got it was that could be go down the wrong pathways if somebody's just um, going too much of one thing, eating way too much sugar or they're overly inflamed or not working out, et cetera. That, that's kind of my take. Like you said, the Goldilocks kind of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and um, I don't think I realized when I was first studying biochemistry that 
you know, I think of these things as being stationary, like the Krebs cycle in my brain was a stationary 2D thing that sort of sits in the mitochondria as a little cycle and everyone just sits on their little platform and waits for the enzyme to come to them. But that's right. not really what happens at all. It's yeah. this sort of soup milieu that happens and the, um, the you know, the citric acid is in there and the alpha, the ketogen, all that stuff is in there. And you just are, if there's an excess of one or another, it's going to drive other reactions. And those things are used in other pathways. Um, you know, if you get that excess of, of succinic and, and malic acid, you're going to end up with creating those um, oncoproteins, like cancer forming um, variables or, or metabolites. And so, you know, ideally the system is functioning very optimally and you're using up every single energy piece that you have. Your obese patients are probably not using that all up because they have more white fat than brown fat. So they probably have a, an excess of, um, of metabolites of the Krebs cycle. And they're, because they're not efficiently using that, they're probably using glycolysis more. Right. Um, and so now you're talking about a patient who is more susceptible to development of cancer because they're not efficiently using their mitochondria. Yeah, yeah, totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Those of us who have more brown fat because of resistance training are going to have more uncoupling proteins that are going to sort of take the load off of the mitochondria and give us fewer reactive oxygen species generated. Right. Less or less overall inflammation, better metabolic flexibility, mm -hmm. all those things. Yeah, for sure. What is it kind of on the same lines with this, but do you, I don't know how, how often you deal with this issue too, but people are always asking about um, you know, the whole methylation pathway, right? And methionines and the homocysteine elevations and things of that nature. How do you approach that? Do you have a lot of people you have to do some, do some fixing on that? So I, I approach it when I, when I talk to patients about homocysteine, I don't talk about methylation because that's too complicated for most people's brains. Yeah. Um, it's complicated for my brain too. <laughs> right. um, and so, uh, so I talked to him about detoxification. This is a, this is a, this high homocysteine is demonstrating to me that your body is not detoxifying well. And what I mean by detoxification is really that redox reaction. I know that if you have a high homocysteine, it's because your cells are not doing what they're supposed to be. Yeah. A really simple fix that works most of the time is just to give them methylated B vitamins. But but then I have a lot of patients because of my patient population, I have a lot of patients that that doesn't work for because the problem is not a deficiency of methylated B vitamins. It's a deficiency of the whole system, right? They're, they're, um, they have um, taken all of their good ratios of NAD to NADH, NADP to NADPH, all of their good ratios, and they've really just burned out all of their antioxidants. And we know that giving them antioxidants is just gonna pour it down the same drain. And so really what we have to do is go back to what we were talking about before about upregulating AMPK and CERT1 and PGC1 alpha, all those um, uh, energy producing systems, your, you know, your body has the ability to sense whether there's enough energy to do whatever job it needs to do today. Every cell has that ability. And if, if um, there's not enough energy to do what it needs to do, it's going to upregulate AMPK. And AMPK plus CERT1 are gonna turn on PGC1 alpha. Of course, that's going to require some NAD. And so you have to have these systems in place. Um, and, um, 
that and that's how you're gonna how you're gonna heal yourselves is if you're if you're working through that way. Yeah, I love to talk about what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> perfect, perfect. Now, I'm with you. I think the simplest thing is right. Oftentimes, it's just be vitamin support, or again, going back to the beginning of our discussion, just balancing everything out. You know, get get people eating right, support their micronutrients, reduce the inflammation, and let the cell take care of itself, um, kind of thing. Yeah. And in figuring out ways to encourage the cell to choose to burn fat as a substrate, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of our whole big picture. So fasting, of course, um, uh, we'll do that. Limiting carbohydrate intake, we'll do that. Be careful that you don't, you know, I'm always watching their BIA because if you're limiting their carbohydrate intake, they're going to start taking their, doing sugar production from protein and the only source of protein is muscle. So you got to watch their muscle mass to be sure that they're not losing muscle as they um, go through that. A lot of our um, ketogenic diet patients will end up losing muscle. Of course, they're messing up their microbiome. So you got to go back and be very aware of, of what they're doing to those colon cells by, and then the, the population of bugs in the um, lumen by doing a strictly um, ketogenic diet. Are you, are you monitoring with like a device, like an in-body or something like that? Or. Yep. I'm thinking about getting a DexaFit. Have you seen the, um, the ads or the, the results from a DexaFit? I have not, huh? We have a few centers around the country and, um, it's a DEXA machine and they give you a very detailed, uh, bioimpedance analysis, uh, after that, but it's not done by bioimpedance analysis. It's done by, um, it's done by DEXA. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've, I looked at those DEXA machines, of course, they're huge and expensive and like, wow, I can't even fit it in my room, let alone. <laughs> but yeah, I've looked at the InBodies and the, uh, this, I think it was the Seca. I've looked at those, but I never did pull the trigger, but I keep thinking about that. So that, that's good that you monitor that. They're so helpful. I use them all the time. Yeah. You awesome. just have to make sure the patient is under almost exactly the same circumstances when they do the testing, because if they're dehydrated, it's going to um, overestimate, I'm sorry, underestimate their percent body fat. If they are, um, if they, are, I mean, so many things are going to affect that if they've just worked out, if they haven't worked out recently, if they just ate, all of that's going to affect it. So you want to do them repeat testing under the same circumstances. For sure. For sure. Speaking of that, you know, we talked, I, I meant, we both mentioned the fasting. Do you have a lot of people on different fasting protocols? Are you doing a lot of diet rotations or people just kind of doing their thing and you're just kind of managing it? I'm trying to, uh, first of all, everybody's different. So everybody needs a different diet. It's uh, your genes are different than my genes are different than my, you know, best friend's genes. You have to realize that everybody's different. So, and I think your body gets used to whatever you do if you do it for too long. And so I recommend no longer than three months with anything. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, even my keto patients, I encourage them to use some form of supplemental um, fiber source to protect their microbiome. For sure. So I recommend at least 12 hours fasting. Almost everybody can do 12 hours fasting. Yeah. And then um, that's minimum required for brain function for um, uh, for ketogenesis in the brain. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the brain's microglia have about eight to 12 hours of, of glycogen stores. And so we know that you go into ketosis in the brain before you even see it in the urine or in the, in the rest of the body. So 
if you're just doing it for dementia patients or for uh, cognitive improvement, you'll see that even at uh, 12 hours. But if you're talking about weight loss or if you're talking about um, optimizing cellular function overall, I'm gonna probably go with a 16 hour. I really think it's again, Goldilocks. You're kind of going into the, um, once you get into 16 plus hours, you're kind of going into the uh, starvation. Patients start to not take in enough calories. And so they end up in a deficit. And then you start this sort of AMPK overdrive where you're not really balanced out between, between the two and then you're losing muscle. I really think there's a problem once you go over about 16 hours. Yeah, and I think, and I had posed that question a while back too. And I think um, Dr. Seeds answered that on one of his uh, forums and he mentioned that too, about like the longer fast, a lot of people, of course, you know, three day and five day fast are, are, are big with a lot of people. And I've never done those, but, you know, he mentioned that too. He said, I wouldn't really push it past three days because of the muscle breakdown and things like that, which totally makes sense. But I know some people love it, but not for me. I think, I don't even know, I think the longest I've ever gone is maybe 20 to 22 hours or something like that. I mm -hmm. keep wanting to do a 24 just to do it, but uh, yeah, I don't know. How about you? Have you, have you done any long ones? That's longer than me. 16 is my max. <laughs> I just like to eat. That's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, and part of it for me too is, um, is I'm working out pretty hard yeah. most of the time. And so to really fast for that long is tough. Even, yeah. you know, I do a fasted morning workout three days a week. Mm -hmm. And that is, I'm starving usually when I'm done. You don't I wait usually, or hit or what? Um, it's Tabata. Okay. Yep. Which I is sort of hit. Yep. Yeah. I, love, I, love um, I do, um, I do a hit of ketones after I'm done with my workout for recovery. And that gets me an additional three hours of fasting post-workout. Nice. Um, yeah. And then I'll have a regular meal. So if I eat, if I work out at six in the morning and then I have ketones at seven, I'm probably 11 eating breakfast or 1030 eating breakfast. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, you mentioned you've been uh, doing some protocols and putting on some. I saw, let me see the guns there. I saw your, your guns mm -hmm. when you're talking. Yeah, look at that. See, it's working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the background doesn't really help. I think you mm -hmm. told me last time, I think you you put on, uh, what, a few pounds of just pure muscle mass, right? Or more? It's a, it's really amazing. Awesome. Um, just in the last several years, I think I have, so I have a patient who's, um, who's diabetic. He's really young, probably 50, 53. Um, he's diabetic and, uh, he's, a he's a local, um, another physician locally. And he came in and he's like, all right, doc, we're going to be in competition. I'm going to, I'm going to get to fit like you are. <laughs> and, uh, he's going to try to get rid of his diabetes. Well, um, I did his BIA and his muscle mass is 62 pounds and I'm at 64 pounds. Of course he weighs a lot more than me overall. So his percent is greater than mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so his, but, but I'm, I'm about two pounds more muscle mass than him. He's like, what? That's ridiculous. So now he's got a motivation to get his muscle mass up. I was going to say, you got some bragging rights on him. Say, listen, dude, I got two pounds on you, man. That's yep. Yep. <laughs> and I'm a little girl. That's right. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about the, like, uh, let's talk about butyrate, man. That's my new, uh, my new go-to. You've been, I know you've been doing well, that for anyway. a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not much it doesn't cure. I got the uh I just got the pills, the the supplements. Um, and I've been taking that for the last couple of weeks and then it's helped me a lot because I've had some issues with some chronic constipation type issues for a long time and nothing seems wow. to what are you using? What kind are you using? 
I got the just the tablets from um was it Body Bio I think okay. um, and I take like I've been taking two in the morning two in the evening and it's helped tremendously so Excellent. kind of like my Alka-Seltzer on my patients I'm sending them I'm like okay I want you on the Alka-Seltzer and the ketones and Layla I've been adding this they're like what the heck, what is this for? I'm like, just, just trust me. <laughs> did you get the, um, did you get the CalMag butyrate or the um, sodium potassium butyrate? I got the CalMag. That's a good, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, cause you can never have, I don't think too much magnesium and I probably don't get enough calcium anyway. Cause I'm, I'm I try to watch, I, I think I'm okay with dairy, but I, I don't eat as much as I used to. And I thought maybe that was contributing to some of my issues, but so yeah, the CalMag it's, it's been good. It's been helping me quite a bit, at least with the, the GI transit that's been helping. So um, Interesting. Are you taking um, any ipamorelin? Yeah, every night. I'm I do. still not having transit benefits. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. My 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 issues that I've personally been working on have been the gut, that you know, the more the constipation issues and sleep. My sleep has been mm -hmm. not good, especially my deep sleep sucks. I mean, I've tried everything. Actually, I was going to ask you about that because I I just got that earth pulse. I know you have that too. Mm -hmm. um, so I've tried all kinds of stuff. I, I tried that Uller, that cooling mat. Oh. Um, that didn't help. I sent that back and I've tried every supplement known to man. I've tried all the peptides. Nothing really helps me. So. Have you tried ketones at a really low dose? I have. I don't think it really did too much either. Like point, like a 2.5 milliliter? Yeah. I took like one of those little caps, like a half a cap or something like right before half bed. Half yeah. a cap. And then spermidine. Did you try spermidine before? No, I haven't tried that yet. I, that was another thing I was going to talk to you about because I know that's come up on a, the last couple of masterminds. So I have not yet tried that yet. Have you been utilizing it or are you talking about I sleep? haven't, but, um, but one of my colleagues said that she used it before bed and had the most deep sleep she's ever had. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, the other tried question it. is, have you tried Tessa instead of Vipa? I have or not. CJC? That also might be a benefit. I do the CJC IPA and I usually do that every night before bed. Um, but that doesn't, I mean, that doesn't do much for me. I've tried the DSIP, the epithalon. I mean, nothing, nothing changes it. Um, and I'll take sustained. Here's another supplement. question. How about, how about progesterone? Never thought of, I've, I remember hearing Uzi talk about that, but I don't know what, <laughs> I've not tried that. Absolutely. So um, you can do, and in my, in my men, I usually have them do a drop form because they, they tend to do better with a little bit more flexibility in dosing. Okay. You do a 50 milligrams per eight drops formulation, and then they can titrate the dose to whatever works for them. I'll have to look into that because I know back when we were talking about the hormone courses, I remember he mentioned, uh, talking about that, he mentioned progesterone not always a good thing for men because of it can adversely affect endothelial function and some other things uh, from the inflammatory side but he could have been talking about more of the oral form uh, I don't know about the sublingual form if there's a difference so I'm gonna have to research that a little bit yeah don't forget you can't get um, you can't absorb more than six drops at a time under your tongue so you would do six drops wait 10 or 15 minutes six more drops wait 10 or 15 minutes hmm. um, if you're going to do more than six drops um, you also, there's several big studies about using progesterone in fairly high doses in men for sleep apnea, hmm. which seems counterintuitive to me yeah, because of its, um, muscle relaxer properties. You know, when it becomes allopregnolone, yeah. it becomes so muscle relaxer, but there's several studies in men using progesterone for sleep apnea. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. We'll have to look into that now because like I said in my head, I've always I've always been learned that, that progesterone not bad for men, you know, good for women, bad for men. So I'm gonna have to look at that a little bit. 
Look at your, look at the um, at those studies about why it's bad for men. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to pull. I'll have to pull those up. And yeah. if, I, if I can, I'll send them to you too. You could take a look at them. Good. That'd be great. Have you you mentioned the with the Earth Pulse? Is that has that helped you? Um, I think it helps me with recovery. I'm not sure it helps me with deep sleep. Uh, I probably get about hour and 15, hour and 30 of uh, deep sleep per my aura ring every night anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Mm -hmm. I, and I always question, I'm like, I, I wonder how accurate the aura is. Cause I mean, I don't know. It, it, mine's so random. I mean, usually my deep sleep is in the minutes, several minutes. Wow. Maybe 11, but Every now and then I'll get a good one. Like when I got the earth, I just got the earth pulse literally a couple of days ago. So the first night I did it, it was awesome. My REM was like an hour and 45. My deep was like an hour and a half. But wow. then did last you feel better the next day? No, well, not really because I kind of woke up early, couldn't go back to sleep. So I was just kind of tired. But mm -hmm. then last night I did the same, the normal settings and my deep sleep was like 12 minutes. So mm. I don't understand that. So, and that's, I've noticed that too, with my supplements I've tried, like one night, it'll be good. I'll do the exact same routine and another night in total, nothing like total opposite, terrible. My war rings yelling at me. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's a struggle. Yeah. You know, my HR, my heart rate variability stays on the aura ring, stays around uh, 18, 11, somewhere in that range. You're like but we have a sleep number bed that measures it as well. Yeah measures your heart rate variability as well. Yeah. And I'm consistently over a hundred with, really? so I'm not sure. So it's supposedly, right, yeah. supposedly it is uh, something like 95% correlation with a polysomnogram, the yeah. aura ring is. Yeah. I don't know the statistical data about the sleep number bed, but. That makes me wonder too, because it makes makes me feel a little better because my HRV is always like really low too. It's always in like the 20s, maybe the 30s. And I, I hear people like, oh yeah, mine's 90, mine's 80. I'm like, mine is terrible. <laughs> What's going on? I think, I think it's gotta be, I'm not sure, but I think it's gotta be related. I think I think I just, well, I just continue to monitor the trend, right? Yeah. 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 yeah that's all you can do. That's all you can do. Well, Betsy and I shoot each other um, our pictures of our good days. <laughs> Look, I made it up to 25. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Yeah, I texted with Betsy the other day. I actually talked to her business partner. Um, I, I think David, I think is his name. Um, had, a, had a really good conversation with him yesterday, just more about the, the business side of things because he had a couple of good comments during the, the mastermind. So He's yeah. such a great guy. He's a cool guy. Yeah, a lot of good information. So. All right, so we talked about butyrates. Um, we talked a little bit about ketones and butyrates. Um, oh, so yeah, I'll have to check out the spermidine because I have not tried that. I know you said you haven't, you have or you haven't tried that with have? Mm -hmm. yeah. for on yourself or patients or both. 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 Um, what I'm what I'm seeing where it's most valuable is in those abnormal cardiac labs. So MPO. Um, um, you know, um, F2 isoprostane in those markers of DNA damage of early DNA damage and endothelial damage. Um, that's where I'm seeing it most valuable. So take it for three months, retest, uh, cardiac markers. Yeah. Interesting. Speaking of that, um, I was looking at revamping some of my lab protocols. Who do you use for your labs? Depends. We primarily use Boston heart. Okay. They do a really good job. They um, they have all the labs that we want for very simple, basic things, and they have a really good cash price. And we've never had a patient get that strange several days, months later. Well, oh my gosh, here's your three thousand dollar bill. We've never had that happen with them. Yeah. So 
their cash price is their cash price. It's very reasonable. Um, I think that we do a panel of about 20 labs on our initial office visit yeah. and it's, it, it never runs more than $300. That's not bad. Yeah, yeah that's I, I, really I, reasonable. We used a smattering of other labs. So we use Dutch, of course, for hormone testing. And then we use um, ZRT or Genova. And um, of course, I got my hand slapped for that at the conference. Did you hear that? Yeah, uh, for the Dutch, wasn't it? For, for saliva that? testing. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Uh -huh. <laughs> they, they crucified me for that. Um, and so uh, we use them. I, use, I started using Vibrant, Vibrant America. So I was gonna because I know Betsy uses them and then David mentioned that yesterday. And I thought I might have to look at them. So um. yeah, they're they're reasonable. They're cash only, um, and their cash prices are very reasonable. They do bundles for not too expensive. Uh, they do micronutrient testing. They do um, uh, like a basic hormone blood panel. They do their um, their tick born zoomer and wheat zoomer are awesome. Oh really? Good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, super helpful. I just, uh, yeah, I just uh, emailed them yesterday to, to get an, some information, maybe get an account. Same with Boston Heart. I haven't, I'm, I'm, I was looking at maybe adding them. I've been using um, mostly Access Medical out of Florida, but they kind of source everything through LabCorp and they've got pretty good basic panels, but um, I'm trying to add on some other things like some of the more advanced cardiac stuff, right? Like the, you know, the, like, you know, all the advanced lipid panels and things like that. So I'm trying to come up with a good more comprehensive panel or maybe like a cardiac add-on, you know, kind of panel, but I'm, I'm going to look at Boston Harks. I'm familiar. I know they've got pretty good panels too. So. Yeah, we do. I, I really don't, I've kind of limited Boston has that full cardiac panel, but I've really over the, over time adjusted the way I look at that. I really just do a lipid panel, a basic lipid panel and an ApoB. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the most, probably the most important one. Yeah, I'll look at the other things if I have to. Dutch does the 80HDG, so I don't have to do that when I send off a Dutch test for them. Yeah. Um, that's so great. Um, and and I'll do, um, I love an adiponectin, love that marker. I love it because it's simple, it's clear. Patients understand it because I can say, this is a fat burning signal. Um, there was a great article I'll send you that talks about why adiponectin is. So adiponectin is actually a three, it's three molecules of adiponectin that have to be joined together by a sulfur link. Okay. And if the cysteine, the sulfur link. And so if you don't have enough sulfur in your diet, so eggs, onion, garlic, uh, cruciferous vegetables, then you're probably not gonna be able to make enough of this fat burning signal. So that's one way I can talk to patients who are trying to lose weight about, um, about eating vegetables is yeah. look, your adiponectin is low. You're not gonna be able to make enough if you don't have enough sulfur in your diet. For sure. And then number two, if you have too much sugar in your diet, your adiponectin, the sugar actually binds to those cysteine residues, preventing the three molecules of adiponectin from binding together. And a single molecule of adiponectin can't leave the cell to go tell everybody to burn fat. All it can do is stay where it is. It has to be bound into, into three to leave the cell. And so what you see in the bloodstream is just the combination of three. You don't see the individual. So you might have tons of adiponectin, but you're, you, you won't see it because it's floating around and it, then it becomes trash in your cell because you can't use it. So now you have a cell full of trash because you're eating too much sugar. It makes sense. Simple way for me to talk to patients about adiponectin. 
Yeah, I'm familiar with that up next, but I don't typically test for it. But yeah, if it's, uh, I think I added that, I was going to inquire about the adding that on. Same with like leptin. I don't test that ever, but I know some people do. I don't know. Um, but like you said, it's, people like to see that, those, like you said, you can have a talking point now. Yeah. What's interesting is, are you familiar with epicatechin? Yeah. So, you know, we're talking about um, uh, leptin and we talk about um, ghrelin and we talk about like GLP-1s. Mm -hmm. So epicatechin increases GLP-1 in your system, decreases DPP-4, which is the inhibitor of GLP-1 or the enzyme that breaks down uh, GLP-1. So right. GLP-1 is one of the, one of the peptides that, um, that helps your cells to choose to burn fat as a substrate. That's your favorite one. It is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, the epicatechin, I'm familiar. I haven't really used it much, but after hearing it again on the conference, I thought, hmm, let's look into that. Who have you have you utilized it then? I'm assuming. Yeah. So um I have I just have one patient that I have it on, and I've really just been using it for sarcopenia mm -hmm. in my elderly patients, but I think there's better places to use it than just there. So yeah. especially if we're able to get, I think it should be part of a weight loss package. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about for like, you know, we talked about weight loss before and, and some patients and of course, you know, some people are, are struggle with that and especially if they have uh, insulin issues. We talked about the GLP-1s, um, Mod SC, you know, some of these other utility players, but the abacatechin, that might be an interesting player too. If not looked at that. Certainly in combination. If you're talking about patients, you don't want to put them on a GLP-1, maybe they get too much nausea with the GLP-1 or maybe a lot of my patients get um, fatigue and really severe constipation, which I really think is related to, uh, to the cells starting to change from using glucose to using fat. I think it's the same thing you get in patients that um, keto flu that a lot of patients will get when they first start fasting or they first start ketogenic diet, they get that keto flu, that yeah. achy feeling unpleasant. Um, I think it's the same thing when they take a GLP-1 because their cells are like, oh, okay, we're supposed to make all this stuff to burn fat, but we don't know how to do that because we haven't been doing that. Right, right, for sure. And so I think they get that way. I think it wears off pretty quickly, but yeah. a lot of people just can't tolerate it. And so if that's the case, then maybe you could use epicatechin in the same way you would use a GLP-1, GLP-1. Uh, I, there's so many things. So here's <laughs> one of the things, here's one of the things that's really curious we were just talking about yesterday. So you know how you'll get your GI effects test and you get back the result that your beta glucuronidase is high. Yeah. Right. And we know that one of the ways that estrogen is processed by the liver is by adding a glucuron molecule to it, which sort right. of tags it by the cell to say from the, by the liver to say, this needs to go in the trash and be passed out through the stool. Well, Sometimes when your microbiome is, so the microbiome is, it, when it's not working properly, when you don't have the right bugs there, they're going to increase production of beta-glucuronidase, which is an enzyme that breaks down that estrogen plus the glucuronic acid that they add to the molecule. So now you can go through enterohepatic recirculation, which is where the, the cells reabsorb estrogen from the um, from the lumen of the um, small intestine. And now you've just reabsorbed estrogen that you previously already marked for trash. Right. And so here's this business cycle. Re, yeah, you're just recycling and you're wasting time. And that's all because of the microbiome. Right. Yep. So what if you use butyrate 
to uh, fix your microbiome. And that's the way you treat your uh, family history of breast cancer, uh, your COMT patients who have trouble with getting their um, their uh, catechol, their estrogen catechols um, in in place. What if you use in those patients where you find their Dutch test is a mess? What if you use if you just work on their microbiome? You get rid of their beta glucuronidase, and now they just pro they just dump it out and it's gone. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. You know, same thing with like, uh, we talked a little bit about TMAO, same thing, like, is I noted for the first time I checked it and mine was high this last year. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to give up my meat. You know, what, what else can I do? And he's like, butyrate. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a one-stop fix for, like you said, fix the gut and if you fix all those other things. So that's pretty interesting. So if you haven't tested, so retest and see how you do. Um, there's a relatively, there's a, uh, a new uh, product by Designs for Health called Tributrin. Okay. That has some really good results. That has some studies about how it gets, it actually gets to the colon if you take it by mouth. Oh, really? Uh, T-R-I-B-U-T-Y-R-I-N Supreme. Interesting. That's Designs by Health, huh? Yep. Tributrin. They just came out with it recently. Huh, I'll have to check. Is it butyrate and, and what else? It's it's a it's a triglyceride of butyrate. So it's hmm. a ester backbone with three uh, fatty acids, three but, uh, butyric acids attached to it. Hmm. Interesting. I'll check it out. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah, and then of course my favorite rectal butyrate works so great. <laughs> I know. I heard you talk about like whoa, that's interesting. It really does. My local compounder makes a 500 milligram suppository, it, especially for your Crohn's and colitis and asthma and any of those inflammatory in your, um, your uh, you know, these uh, viral infection patients. Uh, you know, of course, all of this is going to have to go through your regular um, doctor and is best if you um, speak to them about what they think for you. And if you need help with any of those things, there are doctors like Eric and me that are available to help discuss you, talk you through it. And everybody individually is separate. So please check in with your doctor before you make any decisions that we've talked about on this, on this podcast. Yeah, for sure. I always say it's like, these are for uh, educational information only. We're not making recommendations, but yeah, please reach out. <laughs> so awesome. I know you got to run here soon, so um, we'll wrap it up, but man, it's always, always awesome talking to you. Appreciate the time. And Let's put our noses in the in the uh, Google Scholar about um, those tyrus, uh, those uh, tryptophan metabolites, and we'll re we'll circle back. Yeah, I think so. I think so too. Yeah, let me know what else you find out. We'll we'll talk more about hormone stuff too. Excellent. I'll look forward to hearing about your TMAO. All right, sounds good, Suzanne. We'll have a good walk. Have a good weekend. We'll let's keep in touch. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, take care. All right, thanks. Bye.